Hello, thank you for joining us for episode two of Civil Tension, Conversations with Contentious Intent. We are civil, not polite. We are civil, not politically correct. The conversation you're about to listen to may contain language and subject matter some may consider offensive. Well, do you know what happens when you become offended? Nothing. So, I am your host, Peter Galt. Co-host, please introduce yourself. I'm John Galancy. And I'm Tom Sellers. Tom and John, thanks for joining me again today. And we would like to have our committed conversationalists introduce themselves. Ken Nicholson. And I'm Bob Gibbons. And Twiak. Denny Hennessy and Tim, Coach Papa Stewart. Awesome. Guys, thank you very much for joining us today. And I know in preparation for this, I talked to a few people about what was kind of on their mind. And I'm just going to throw one topic out. And if you guys want to latch on to it, that's awesome. If something else is on your mind, let's roll with whatever you want to talk about. But uh, DACA, with, with regard to DACA, what's on your mind? Uh, I, I was reading a report that... Uh, just recently, one man uh, who was listed as a dreamer under DACA was deported earlier this week or maybe maybe late last week. I think it was earlier this week. Uh, his parents brought him to the U.S. illegally when he was younger. Uh, and that was actually about three decades ago. And he has children of his own here that were born right here in the U.S. They'll be staying. Again, they were born in the U.S. That makes you a citizen. Uh, Thoughts? Anybody want to chime in right off the bat on that? He married a U.S. citizen. That's what kind of the strange, <coughs> strange thing to me is that uh, when he, uh, if uh, if you're talking about this uh, gentleman, uh, I think it was earlier this week, uh, but he did marry a U.S. citizen. And what happened to those rules uh, that we had after the war when people married a U.S. citizen? They came. And they were they were allowed to stay in the country. Now all of a sudden, because we our our parents brought us here illegally, all of a sudden we're uh, uh, we can't stay. It doesn't sound right to me. I don't understand that the law changed. I never heard no, that. No, I hadn't either. Well, I, if maybe I can speak to a little bit on that. And that uh, my mother immigrated here with her family when she was young from the UK, and. Uh, uh, they all came over legally with their immigration papers. In fact, one of my uncles, I think he was 18 months old or maybe not quite two in his uh, visa picture, which he still has to this day. Um, but uh, they all came over legally. But I do, even though I was extremely young, I can remember sitting in the uh, courthouse in Independence, Missouri, where I was born, watching my mother be sworn in as a U.S. citizen. And she was still legal. She still had to go through the renewal and the immigration renewal and everything uh, that, that they came through, that she came with her family. But she was sworn in as a citizen. And when I was, not, I, th I think I was not actually quite three years old, but I actually remember, and the reason I remember is my dad was holding me and I was trying to get to my mom who was up front uh, with a lot of other people and I wasn't happy about being stuck back with my dad. I just, that's my memory of that. And it was later explained that that's what was going on when she was being sworn in as a citizen. So, uh, but, um, so to, to that point, I don't think simply because she was married to my dad that that automatically makes you a citizen. I mean, they, they came over legally. 
and, and I'm going to throw this out here, I, I have a hard time understanding why, frankly, we're even having, as a country, this discussion. If you're here illegally, I don't understand how that grants you any rights. <clears throat> and quite frankly, I think, you know, and again, I'm playing the, the bad side of the coin, probably, as some people will say, but, you know, irrespective of the law, if you're here for 30 years, what did you do in 30 years to not become a citizen? Obviously, you enjoy your time here. You want to be here. You started a family here. There is no path to citizenship for illegal immigrants. Well, period. there's still a process, though, is there not? I mean, no, there isn't. Okay. In his case, and I was just uh, reading about the article, he started applying for citizenship in 2005. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, he basically came forward and said, all right, here, uh, let me apply for citizenship. So it's been a 12-year battle of him trying to get his citizenship. Uh, it was put on stay during the Obama administration, but under the executive order by Trump, um, he fit into that category, and they said, no, you're, you're gone. So now he has to begin the process of coming back into the United States legally. Well, if that's, if that's the case, and I did not read what you're reading, um, then, then I retract what I'm saying. My concern is we welcome immigrants, and I don't think we've ever said we don't, but there's a process, and I think that process has to be adhered to. Tom, I totally agree with you, but the deal is this gentleman is not a criminal. Right. He's a contributing member of society. He uh, is probably pretty uh, uh, fluid in English at this point. I would imagine he is a guy we want to keep as a nation. Right? I would agree with the you. The fact that we don't have a way for him to get there by proving that he's that he speaks the language, that he knows the laws, that he and and take an oath of loyalty and, and those things that we sure. do for legal immigrants. Right. Um, it's not his fault that he's here. I agree. Right? I agree. I'm completely so he has committed no crime. Yes. And if he's a good citizen, why are we bothering to, to spend the money to deport him? We have lots of deportable people. Fortunately, Tom, I have to disagree with you. Uh, the United States has a dark history with uh, getting, uh, forcing people to come to this country, and our immigration policy has gone along these lines. Unfortunately, we seem to be in another uh, dark chapter. A um, hundred years ago, this was also a hot button issue um, with the Chinese, um, and that's the case of um, I forget the name, but I think it's uh, Young uh, Kim Ark versus the State of California. And went all the way to through the Supreme Court, and it was uh, weighed very heavily. And you had to, they had to figure out if, he, even though he had um, he had Chinese parents, he was born in America, was he an American? And he uh, eventually, we all know this, that he was in fact an American. Right. But the Supreme, but uh, the Supreme Court oftentimes will not rule that way. Uh, oftentimes there's uh, deportations that we do not agree with. And I will agree with the point that was made a second ago, that there does need to be an avenue of citizenship sure. for the people that contribute, for people that are um, benefiting our society. And I will just go ahead and say this, um, I don't think a wall does that. Either erg, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was well said. <laughs> you go ahead, so John. Good. <laughs> you, 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 yeah, I, let me compose myself before responding. John, go ahead. I was hoping that uh, you would say something so I could compose myself. <laughs> <laughs> the simple fact, the simple reality is, is this: is that 
we cannot base policy uh, with regard to a single case or incident. Sure. And when I read about this gentleman, he lives in Detroit. He has children. He's been here. Obviously, at some level, paying taxes, contributing not so much as a parking ticket. I read the story, read the news feed. He is a contributing member of society. He is not a citizen of these United States, and he is not here legally. And if you are not going to have a sovereign nation with sovereign borders and the right under our Constitution by the executive to enforce it, if you're not going to do that, then you're not going to have a country for much longer. If a person wants to go ahead, and this is why we need to look at this from a, a holistic standpoint, this gentleman is not a victim of Donald Trump. He is not a victim of ICE. He is a victim of the liberal left and their desire to pad their voting logs, to bring in the people that they want to bring in. He's also a victim of big business who wants to bring in cheap labor. Those two have an unholy matrimony and I'll be the first one to talk about it. If you want to talk about this gentleman having the opportunity to stay here, but before you get to stay here and before that that group or that demographic gets to remain, one, you secure the border with either real, virtual, or any other kind of fencing required. We are sovereign. We have the right to enforce our borders. Number two, you proceed to end chain, chain migration, and then you proceed to end lottery immigration. Those things are not acceptable. As a sovereign nation, we have the right to say we want you to come into this country because you have the skill sets, the abilities, and the things that we think we need to build a superior team. That's what you want to do. And those people that want to come can come, those that can't, can't. But the idea that you have a right to come to these United States to just set up camp, legally or illegally, is complete and total hogwash. It's not acceptable, and here's the key about it. It isn't sustainable. Let's just talk about, take all the emotion out of it. It is absolutely not sustainable. The illegal has more rights in many cases than does the citizen. If we had done what this fellow had done as citizens, we would have been prosecuted gladly under the law, gladly. But because there is a component of sorrow for the man, I feel sorrow for the man, I feel sorrow for his kids. It's terrible. But this is not a victim of Trump or the right. This is a victim of the political left and what they've been trying to do to pad their voting rolls and influence the demographics of this country for their benefit, not the benefit of the individual. Thank you very much. That. Um I am going to agree with you on everything you just said, actually. And you said that very eloquently. Uh, Bob, I, I wholly disagree with you on the uh, open border concept, the no wall, and that the, the wall uh, does not achieve a certain goal. Uh, again, we, we have, we're a nation of laws. We're a sovereign nation. And we have a constitution. If you look at other countries and read their constitutions, as American citizens, we don't have the right that the, the people of other countries are expecting us to uphold of people coming into our country illegally. As an American citizen, I can't just cross the border down into Mexico if I feel like it. I can't just cross, I can't even just cross the border into Canada if I just feel like it, uh, even though you can actually show your driver's license. We have that, and as long as you're not hanging out there to live, you can come over, go to McDonald's in Sault Ste. Marie, and come back on down to uh, 
the United States. Not that uh, McDonald's is any better up there. <laughs> I've heard there. some good things about but, that. But, uh, I still enjoy a cheeseburger now and then. But um, uh, I really do believe that again, a wall, whether whether it is whether it is metaphorical or very physical. It needs to be acknowledged. It needs to be upheld. It's it's our border, and I believe that people need to respect that coming into our nation. To to me, it um, it's a slap in the face to what my mom's family went through to get here. Danny, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think this happened back in the '80s with Ronald Reagan, where he granted amnesty, and the Democrats promised we're going to secure everything, and then guess what? Never happened. Nothing was ever secured. So if you don't Put the cart before the horse or the horse before the cart. If you don't secure the border first where people are coming in, what stops the same conversation from going on five, ten years from now when you have another 800,000 or a million or two million that are looking for the same thing? And I think most people agree you want to come up with a good, you know, we're not looking to kick people out to round them up in vans and, and drive them south of the border and kick them out of the border. But you have to do things in the correct order, and that is securing the border. That's putting the right laws in place, stopping the chain migration, stopping the slaughtering. I think, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the U.S. has one of the most liberal immigration policies, and we bring in, we, we allow more immigrants into our country through legal systems than any other country in the world. That's so true. I, I would agree with that. But I guess my question, and just sticking on this for a second, and again, I completely agree in a wall, and I completely agree in laws. But if we examine this guy's case, again, I've learned something about it this morning I did not know. You just mentioned we had an amnesty thing under Reagan. Did he fall under that? I guess my question is, how does a guy who is making an attempt and is being an asset to the country, quote-unquote, not have a path? We need to examine why not. I, I think he came after Reagan's amnesty. Okay. As a former plant manager, I had a uh, one of my best employees was a, a lady by the name of Raquel, um, and and I got the letter that says someone else is paying into her Social Security account, and we were very good at checking our paperwork and making sure all the I nines, everything was in place. And uh, so I called her in. I said, I, you know, I have a requirement to notify you that someone is using your Social Security number. Uh, well, uh, she immediately started crying. Her English wasn't good. I brought in my translator, a young lady by the name of Sylvia. And I said, uh, Sylvia explained to her somebody else is putting money into her Social Security account. And, uh, you know, we have to figure out who that is, but you, you need to be aware. And at that point, Raquel started crying, and I realized she was the one uh, putting into the Social Security number, so she was there illegally, even though all the documentation was perfect. Uh, a few minutes after uh, the, the tears and things were over, uh, she said, I said, you, you, know, you can no longer work here, and I need to report this, so you need to be prepared to deal with immigration. And she said, uh, Senor Tim, uh, tomorrow I come with new name <laughs> and new paperwork. <laughs> and this is the mentality that they had. You know, I'm like, that is not okay. Is that at no level is this okay? Going back to what I think it was you said, John, earlier, this is being driven by by big business. We can keep these these people and keep our, our costs down by having their and that opened my eyes, a lot of the manufacturer, a lot of the people out there, they know. 
they know that they, they have people who are in this situation, but they're not doing anything about it because these people are trained, these people are assets to them, and they do everything they can to protect them. So how do we change that? Well, so, John, so in that, so in that regard, what should happen is that once we talk about the aforementioned, you get the aforementioned in place, you secure the border. And one of the best ways to secure your border is by actually enforcing the laws that your politicians pass. It's just a crazy idea, but there it is. <laughs> so if you, pass the, if you pass the law, you must mean it enough that you want to enforce it. If you're not willing to enforce the law, don't pass the law. That's a crazy idea, but there you have it. Here's the other, here's the other matter. The people that are here, that are contributing, again, like the fellow in Detroit, mm -hmm. he shouldn't be allowed to become a citizen. He shouldn't have the full rights of citizenship, ever, ever. He should have the right and a pathway to remain as a resident of the United States, a contributing member of society. Why should he not experience some penalty? Even though he was 10, he, it's still it, Because still citizens vote. Exact, well, because exactly right. And exactly, that he ought to experience some level of penalty for being here illegally, regardless of whether it's his decision or not. Because then you make the argument, well, is it when they're 10 or when they're 15? When they're 15 or when they're 18? When they're 18 or 21? If you have a kid in counseling, you don't have, if you don't have to know anything if, about what's said in that counseling session if they're 13. You get to drive when you're 15 or 16. You get to join the military when you're 18 and you can't consume alcohol until you're 21. These are all arbitrary numbers that seem to be all over the map that society randomly applies. Let me correct myself. The first time you're gonna hear that, Bob, so here it is. <laughs> <laughs> the one, the, that government arbitrarily applies, and that if you want to be here, we will, we will embrace you as someone who is contributing to society, and we want you to be here. We recognize this reality. That said, if you're breaking laws, if you're a felon, if you're a drug dealer, if you've got a lot of tattoos, MS-13 on your, on your skin, guess what? We catch you and you're the equivalent of this fellow. You came here 10 years old, we're going to round your ass up and we're going to send you back. Done. Here, here. But if you murder here, someone here. under the age of 18, you go into juvenile court and at 18 that's cleared from your thing. Mm -hmm. Why is a juvenile, is he not, he, he wasn't, he didn't say, I'm coming to America. He was 10 years old, mm -hmm. you know? So, I, I mean, I can see both sides of this this law. Now, at 18, did he ever, you know, a, you know, a, we talked about this in the earlier with Coffee Pete. At 18, we're an adult. I now have to stand up and say, um, I'm, I came to this country illegally. Well, for eight years, you've, you've lived like this. This is the normal life that you've lived, and you just get caught and sucked into the same. I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you, right. but, he had no choice in coming here. He didn't say, no, I'm staying in Mexico, Mom and Dad. You guys go ahead and go to America and, and by to Tim's, And to Tim's point, I completely and totally agree with him, right? That the, the position that is outlined by, by Cell is this is the best possible penalty, if you will, that can restore a sense of justice and what is appropriate for the citizen, for the immigrant who came here legally, for for even though he had nothing to do with it. There still has to be some sense that this is made right. And over the long term, we can establish a normalcy and something that's just. But to have people that come in, regardless of whether they have any choice in the matter, to come in and say, yep, you're here, now we're gonna give you full citizenship, this, that, and the other thing, after 
that's a problem. And it is a part of the, the politics and the policy. He's a, Airfinger's quote, victim. But still, you have to have some way of dealing with that and saying, yeah, we'll let you stay here. We're not going to break up your family. We admire what you've made of your life, but you're never going to be a full citizen. Life isn't fair. That's the way it goes. Well, and, and kind of along Tom and along that point, you know, I don't know, what, is that two-year-old that got in here illegally, are they really a victim? Or did they, you know, win the biggest lottery in the, in the world by point. getting into our country? Mm-hmm. You know, so look at it from that side, and I completely agree. Whether they were a newborn baby or a 17-year-old that got in, they should ne- there should never be a path to citizenship. Right. Full residency, you can join the military, you can do, and you know what? You're going to go fight for your country? Well, look at the country you're fighting for. You may not be a legal citizen, but you have full residency. And I just, when I when I got out of college, I bartended at a little Irish bar over in Mundelein. So there were a lot of English and Irish people that came in there straight, that were from over there, and kind of like your mother, Pete. And a lot of them were here illegal. And a couple of them would sit on the, the dark side of the bar where they were facing the door because they were sure ICE was coming in after them. Right, so they'd be able to they'd be able to see him because when you came in, you were blinded because it was bright and it was dark in there, and they'd be able to run out the back. But they they were worried about that. They were here illegal. They were constantly scared of that. But they you know they were taking a chance on that because they had the opportunity to be in the greatest country in the world. And for people to talk about the wall thing and say you know no wall no, what was the number one thing that Trump the one of the very first things he said after he came down that escalator is build a wall. Right, so it wasn't. There, there shouldn't be a surprise that he wants a wall built, and he was elected by the vast majority in the electoral college. I mean, if you break it down to county, it was a landslide, um, and it wasn't a secret that he wanted a wall built. You know, right. so this isn't new information. Exactly. Right. Can Can I pause just a moment? I want to come back to what Bob said because there's a whole lot of people out there that believe, I think, what he said. And I, I need to understand that a little bit better. What was it, Bob, that you said the wall will not do? Um, I don't, th- the wall, what the wall will do is it will uh, put a scar on the American landscape. It will send a okay, clear message. that would message be a big, to, nasty physical wall. Absolutely. Okay, let's just talk about the the. the, the the wall the with whatever wall, componentry right. that controls a, a, me, a metaphorical wall. Now, I'm not, I'm not opposed to having rules and abiding by those rules. What I'm opposed to is saying, hey, everyone who's here illegally, you have to get out. To have a deportation squad to just go around and round up individuals is wrong. I and I don't think, and I don't think I've heard a lot of dissent on that at that point. There are some people who think that way, and I would disagree with them. And I think the vast majority of Americans would disagree with them. But what I think a uh, wall does, either metaphorical or physical, what it does is it puts up a sign to the rest of the world that says, you're not welcome here. And that's not the image that the United States oh, should no. be conveying. Now I want to disagree with you because they are not welcome here if they don't go through the process that we as a sovereign nation ask them to go through. And basically all that process does is what we can to ensure that they're going to be good citizens right. or, or they're going to be good residents, as the case may be. Right. There's no law saying you got to become a citizen at all, right? As long as they come here legally. With good intentions. With good intent and they, they live a good, lawful life, we're, we're 
bonus. Yeah, I, nobody's in favor of deporting everybody. No. I, and and I think the things that Trump has said that sounded like that were inadvertent and, and classically Trumpish. Um, but I'm, I'm I'm very curious as to when Ken became a leftist. This is really. <laughs> <laughs> and the, oh, and my wife is going to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> only, only if she listens. Only if she listens. The, the reason that I say that is because we don't have an obligation to allow immigration. We are sovereign, it is under the executive, it is with, pre, uh, with um, certain history that we have allowed it, that it has occurred, but as a sovereign, we don't have the obligation. We are within our right, and this is not bad to say. We are within our right to act in our own self-best interest towards sustainability for the citizen of the United States for the Constitution of these United States. We have the right to do that. I think that we have adequate labor in this country when you get into the issue of those who are on welfare, those who are receiving public aid and assistance, that those those public aid assistance dollars are in fact competing for job labor dollars. You can make more you with are this. You're darn right, Snoopy, right? So the <laughs> issue is that we have the absolute sovereignty and the right to say we are not welcoming people here until we get ourselves sorted out because this is not a sustainable path to, to, the, to, the, to the matter of those who are here as residents. Great. If, you are, if there's a roadmap and a path toward doing this, great. But here's another thing that wasn't a secret. Denny pointed out, and he's absolutely right, it wasn't a secret what Trump wanted to do. Here's mm -hmm. another thing that was not a secret. The wall was already funded under George W. Bush. It was also funded under Romulus Magnus Reagan. It was already funded. It's already been there. It's already been a desire of the American people and the populace to secure its borders and make sure we are sovereign from here infinitum if possible but it's the lack of will on the part of the left. Let me correct myself again, too, today. Twice a day? <laughs> Whoa. And that, the following. It is the manipulation of the American left. They say, we'll fund it, we won't build it. We'll give you your tax increase, and then they don't cut the spending. This is a pattern of behavior, it's disingenuous. And the people that are caught up in the middle of it are the folks like this poor man from Detroit, and the people that brought him here when he was about a 10-year-old boy. These are the ones that are caught up in this thing. And it's because of the left, they're the ones that are doing this to these people without any concern for the soul and the future of these folks. Well, one of the biggest, one of the biggest, one of the biggest opponents to the wall is that, that fine lady Nancy, Pel Nancy Pelosi. I saw a picture of her compound in California. Guess what it is surrounded by? Tall. Great big fence. Oh. No, no, oh, it's a, a great big wall. You're right, it is a wall. I don't know anybody, and I don't think anybody at this table, I lock my doors at night. I don't. You're, you're <laughs> one of the unusual. If you walk to my car right now, it's unlocked, and the keys are in the uh, cup holder. I'll be right, All right. back. <laughs> <laughs> most, most or or not. <laughs> all, these, all these celebrities and these leftists that complain about walls, they, they are surrounded by armed security. They live behind giant walls. Walls, since the dawn of humanity, walls have proven to be a good barrier to stop things. It's not just to stop people coming in, it's to stop illegal contraband and drugs. The, the, the number of illegals coming across the border may have dropped significantly. Drugs haven't. Drugs are pouring across the southern border. Pouring. 
You're right. You know, we talk about an opioid crisis and fentanyl. And guess where it's coming from? That's that's another big reason that people aren't remembering about having a physical structure there above and below ground. Well, not only that, but I think there's also a uh, a different component to it as well. Uh, we have a we have a a component here where we are not using. We have a military that is always all around the world, but we don't use them to to secure our own borders. I asked many years ago uh, one of our Republican uh, uh, congressmen, uh, <coughs> why don't we use the military? And he said, quite frankly, he said to me, well, we don't want to be seen as a police state. But in every other country in the world that I've been to, and I've been to a few, not, not all, but I've been to a few, there are people who stand guard in military uniforms that are not policemen, but are, are military. And they have, they have the ability to stop you and ask you, what are you doing? And what we've done is we've gone away from, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're too open, let's, let's put it that way. Uh, you know, we say we're, we're open as far as, as immigration is concerned, fine. But how many other countries in the world have had four and five and six languages that they, that they uh, have uh, for their uh, uh, driver's licenses, to, to apply for your driver's license? How many other countries in the world do that for us? None that I'm aware of. So maybe we ought to all go to Mexico and say, hey, why don't you put your driver's license in, in, America, in English so we can all drive down here? Is, it, is, there, is there a difference? I don't, I don't see a difference. I think the, the, the other, like I said, the other component is the military. I think we should, we're, we're not using the military properly. Uh, even if we're only, if, even if we would only be using the National Guard, but that would be a start for that wall. Well, there's a, there's a specificity of training that you need. The way a proper border guard is trained is a lot different than mm -hmm. a combat soldier. And every military policeman has that training. Trust me, I'm a military policeman. Absolutely. Uh, we all have that training, and we are all capable of implementing that at a moment's notice, including the National Guard, which I am career National Guard. Only the National Guard, smack yourself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we are trained exactly the way the, the, my, uh, the active army is. My my repost to that is Kent State. There, there you go, but that was a long time ago. And we, we learned. And things my, have changed. My, yeah. uh, the biggest problem I have with what was just said was um, that we need our military enforcing our laws. Um, our police, the FBI, and they do a wonderful job and they are sufficient enough. Uh, ICE does a wonderful job um, uh, outside of a few instances. Um, where they're doing a wonderful job and they can do it by themselves. We don't need the United States military. I, I would agree that to some, at some points they're being misused, but we don't need them here because that is, um, you're bringing your, your army onto your own soil, which is going to create more havoc. Now, I know we have bases over here, but having government, government uh, soldiers walk down the streets and with no regard just being able to say, 
um, what what are you doing here? What's your purpose? Let me see your papers. Cre- absolutely does create a police state, and that's something I, I, we don't I, want. I, I, okay, yeah, I, I'm not a fan of the idea of a police state, but I don't actually think that's where Dan nor Tim right. nor Ken were going. I, and I actually think it's quite appropriate to have your own military, whether it be uh, the, the Marines, Army, Air Force, Navy, National Guard, securing the borders of your sovereign nation. To me, that is entirely appropriate. I, I think it's a big jump, maybe where, where in your head you went, oh no, we can't have these guys walking down the street monitoring what we do. I, I would not. I, I will probably be one of the very first people to say I would not enjoy living in a police state. Mm. Um, I, I would not do well in that type of environment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I think I, I will agree with you on the police state ideology where your brain went, but I don't think, and, and guys correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think that's where your mind was going either. I, I think it's completely appropriate for a nation's military to secure its sovereign borders. That's what it's for. And, and for that's, to me, that is fine and dandy. Now, Tim, yeah. you talked about your service in the military, and I think, um, and I want to, I, I need your help on getting his name right. Uh, is it retired Lieutenant Colonel Craig? Who Craig, was, Wilcox. Wilcox. Craig Wilcox, who was actually here this morning. No, that was Wayne Byer. No, yeah. that's, I keep getting those two confused. That's they're, they're, both they're both colonels. They're both, that's it. The, 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 one a Marine, one Air Force, but a colonel. Yes. Okay, so was it Craig or was it Wayne then? Maybe maybe help me out if you were here this time. Uh, one of these times at Friday mornings, uh, we we were talking about this subject uh, on, on securing our borders. And... One of the two colonels said, well, you know, actually when we are over in another nation and we are uh, going over there to teach them how to stand independent, the very first thing we do is instruct them on how to secure their own borders. Exactly. So why is it okay for the United States military to take the position of instructing another nation which is sovereign from us and our intent is to evidently our intent in that case is to help them maintain that sovereignty to say this is how you secure your borders why is that not okay to do here i i don't i don't understand <laughs> those, that those, shift those laws and those preparations are in place those missions are already written if they ever need to be enforced, they will be enforced. Martial law is trained, and every military uh, person who comes through to understand if we if something does happen that has happened, martial law could be enforced in in minutes. The preparation is there. The problem is we've thinned our military down so low that we don't have that ready reaction force on our posts anymore. If you look at our post population, which used to be strong. And under the Clinton administration, they started cutting out posts here and posts here and posts here. Now, if it came down to a situation where we needed military law, it's not there because they're all overseas and need to be recalled back here if that were necessary. Our hope is that is never necessary, but always be prepared. And those preparations are all in place. And I, I have to say that um, Peter is correct. I'm, I'm not trying to say we should have a military state. Oh, no one wants that. Nobody wants that. But we should have a 
military presence uh, available to secure the borders, to stop, as, as someone earlier mentioned about all the opioids and, and uh, drugs and all the other things that are coming into the country, we have the technology to stop these things if we want to, but we don't have the will. <laughs> we need the political will to stop these things, and we don't have it right now. The, the, the problem with our border control in general is politicians have day-to-day -day control through rules yep. that they make Absolutely. without regard to, to legislative stance, without regard to the Constitution in general, uh, and, and the will has not been there. We don't need to build a too much more wall. We need to do our best, whatever it is. And I'm pretty sure the border control, you know, patrol knows how to do what they need to do. Somebody got to tell them to do it, right. and nobody's done that yet. Uh, it, I don't see a need for an awful lot of disfiguring concrete. I see a need for drones and highly trained men and and properly worked computer systems and all those kind of things. I agree. And there needs to be there and there needs to be instead of funding a uh, physical wall, there needs to be proper training of border patrol because not only do they stop illegal immigration, they're the first people um, that um, immigrants meet if they're coming from if they're uh, refugees. If they're coming from a war-torn society or something like that, the first people they're going to run into are Border Patrol agents. And do we have the proper facilities to take on refugees if that's necessary? Do we have the proper facilities to uh, stop e illegal immigration? And uh, that's something that needs to be taken care of. Um, um, our Border Patrol under uh, Bush and Obama was in an abysmal state. And it needs to be, and it needs to be constructed a little bit. Now, I don't mean to, I don't mean to go rescind what I said earlier, but I do agree so that I was willing to do that. <laughs> I, I do, I do agree that there needs to be some some order. Now, what I keep hearing a lot about is that the that we don't want a police state. However, having the United States military patrolling our borders, when the Border Patrol are perfectly capable of doing that, when Congress is perfectly capable of uh, instructing others to do that, the jobs of our servicemen, God bless them, and the jobs of our Border Patrol agents, God bless them as well, are two separate things. They have two separate missions. The, the, this, is, this is the issue that, that I have with what Bob just said. Know where you're going. He, that's where I was going. He is, <laughs> he is absolutely and completely correct. Oh, and this is why I say this keeps happening every week, Bob. And this is and this is wait for it, wait for it. Wait for it. This is why I say that, and that is because as soon, if history teaches us anything, the last thing that we want to do is activate U.S. military forces on American soil instead of moving those people under the authority from the military to the border patrol, to a more civilian authority and population. You do not want these encro potential encroachments. And I say potential with the idea and the reality that it will be a very real encroachment into our civil liberties. Because if it's within the border, now it's within a mile of the border. Pre 
pretty soon some politician's going to get a bright idea. It's going to be within five miles of the border. Well, 10 miles with the border. Now it's going to be the, the border counties and states. And, and pretty soon, again, once you let politicians and that authority get into the tent with you, pretty soon that camel's dry humping your leg and you don't want that. So the issue really is... So not the issue, camel what, what? Not, not, not again. So not the, again. Not, not twice in one night. But the issue really comes back to that if we want to take the military and personnel and say, hey, look, we're going to have a program. We want to, under this authority of the Border Patrol, beef up, correct, uh, man up, if you will, to use a term, our border security through that institution, that organization, under that authority, and you have military police and, and folks in the Army and different branches of service, and you want to transfer a career transfer over to that service, absolutely do it. No problem. Do it tomorrow and do it twice on Sunday. But to actually have after the church. have the after church, <laughs> that's a good point, Tim. But if you but to give the US military a mission and grounds on domestic soil without the actual uh, uh, sounding the alarm of martial law. You've got a problem. You can't do that. You don't want to do that because absolute power will corrupt absolutely, and those politicians will use that against us. Do we think for a moment that the executive actions that Donald Trump is taking, which I totally support, I'm worried for the day when he's no longer in office and the liberals will use that right back on us again. The day is coming. Well, and, and the one thing and the one problem that has happened – we have the CIA, we have the FBA, we have the ATF, we have the US military, we have the Border Patrol. And they're all kind of watching and keep an eye in the same place. And now we have a, we have a failure to communicate how many um, live friendly fire incidences have happened already because of not having that one reporting. Now, keep them all independent, but have a reporting structure that keeps them all informed. Um, and you know, I'll have a security clearance. You're on a need-to-know basis, and you're not in my uh, scope of, so you don't need to know. Well, there's got to be a way to communicate properly through the channels. And when there is a uh, disagreement over who's in charge, that's got to be laid out clearly so that we know that the, the, the four of our different agencies are going after. You know, one specific area. You know, the drugs coming across. You know, now we're ATF uh, or D Drug Enforcement DEA, and then but they're coming across with guns and drugs. Well, now it's an ATF or DEA. Well, wait a minute, they're coming across the border, so it's Border Patrol. And this is is where having uh, that communication, which with the computers and technology we have today, you would think it would be simple. Going back to what you said. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. I'm in charge of the border. I'm in charge of drugs. I'm in charge of guns. And we have this internal conflict, which is allowing everything else to, to go. It's just like the old Cubs, you know? No, it's your ball. It's your ball. It's your ball. about the Cubs now. Well, the Cubs have fixed it. Maybe we need to put Ricketts in charge of the... Uh, uh -huh. there you well, go. And, and Tim, isn't that what the Department of Homeland Security is supposed to supposed be? Supposed to be. That one entity that, that everybody is kind of underneath general uh, general 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 mark stanish general mark stanish was my uh one of my commanders in chief that i worked for and after his retirement he uh he taught the first 
Homeland Security Advanced degree at the college level. And he's one of the guys who's out there helping trying to put all this together. And when you have these three or four groups in one class, he said you'd be amazed. You'd think that you know we had Russia and Poland and Germany and the USA. Instead of having four groups of American law organizations in the same room wanting to get together because each one of them wants to be that guy in charge. And that's that's where it falls down. But it, where it's fallen down is is top level political leadership. Amen. That's because nobody can work for two bosses, I'm here to tell you that, right? I mean, we can't get the Marines talking to the Navy, you know? It's, 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 and that's pretty well, well documented. Well, Consistent. Part of the problem with our system is, I'm, I'm not a great political theoretician, but uh, changing leadership as often as we do um, is kind of scary. It make, you know, so we spend well, an awful lot of time in transition. On the other side, we need to change leadership more often to avoid <laughs> the, the evils of the corruption right? you know, <laughs> creeping in there with any given executive. But we have to come back to the constitutional principle that everybody in armed services, in our armed services, in, in any branch doing anything, reports to the executive of the country. And we haven't had a strong executive of the country in a long time. And I would, and I would take that a step further, Ken, because you are completely right. Here's my problem. I think we all agree we have the personnel, we have the training, we have the technology. It's there. I, I don't think there needs to be a massive retrain of anything. Here's what I do agree, though, back to the Constitution. When you have mayors of cities, governors of states saying, yeah, I, I uphold and defend the, the damn Constitution until it's not what I want to do, yeah. or I don't feel it's right. You know, I, I saw something the other day, it was this morning, a, a governor in California, or a mayor in California, I'm willing to go to jail. Then go! Over ice. <laughs> over ice. I'm hey, willing Illinois to set the standard for that. So here you we have, have these... history of seven governors to, I'm sorry, Tom, I'm no, talking No, 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 you're fine. Go ahead, go ahead. But, and this is the part that makes my blood boil on a daily damn basis. I have taken an oath as a government official to uphold the rules and the law of the Constitution unless I don't want it. And there is no repercussion. That, that I, I, Now, if you I, want to defend your border, you start at the top saying, this is the Constitution, this is how it works, these are the laws. If you don't like it, go play another game. Uh, West California versus Seacoast it, it's California. It's Illinois, too. I mean, it's, it's everywhere. <laughs> Never before in history have I seen the office of the president so disrespected. Oh, my right? God. Right? Agree with the man, disagree with the man or the woman or whoever's in there, but they are the president and they hold the office. Uh, Joe Walsh is a good friend of mine, but when he stood up on Obama and he said he is a liar publicly, I lost all respect for him because you are talking about the President of the United States, the elected official. Blame us for having Hillary run against Trump. That's our fault. But once the election was done, let's gather together, let's move forward, and as long as he is in that office, let's work together instead of all and everybody on two sides of the fence. Oh, he's an idiot, but we're not gonna, you know, we're not here to judge him. It's the office of the president that needs to be respected, and the man or woman who is in that office the same way. When we can get back to doing that, our country will cut back in line. 
Here, here. And, well, and if we do not, to Tom's point, if we do not return to being a nation of laws, we will become a nation of men. Amen. And what the nation of men says is that what the man at the time wants to do is what the man will do at the time. And that means whatever he wants to do to you because he has the guns and the gold and the office and the cloud and the connections, he will do to you. This is what history, regard not just America, but throughout human history, this is what history shows us. Right. We must return to being a nation of laws and rules, not a nation of men. If we do go the other direction, would be no different than the things that the people are trying to escape. I want to shift gears real quick. How many people live in Mexico as of 2016? I looked it up. It's pretty empty right now, isn't it? Yeah, it's about, <laughs> yeah, they're all here. It's about 128 million. 128 million people live in Mexico. The reason I mention that is because our policies in the long term are causing those folks suffering. Sure, they get the expat dollars that come back from their family members that made it in. That's a huge benefit. They're exporting a lot of welfare to our nation. That's without dispute. And that's helping them in the short term. But in the long term, to attract capital, venture capital, investment, growth, the robust nature of capitalism to improve and pull people out of the mud of the human existence, pre-mortal human existence, we're crippling them. We must enforce these laws so they can remain home and deal with the political class the way they need to deal with it and fix their country. Why is it that we see so many people, and this is, this is actually a conversation I was having with my wife the other day, why do we see so many of these people coming to the United States? What would happen, and I'm going to ask you this on a personal level, because this is a personal decision to flee your country, to move and walk away and come illegally into a, into a country when you know that you stand a chance of, of being sent back to a place that evidently is so horrific that you must leave no matter what. What happened to the mentality, or why is there not a mentality there that I think, I don't think I'm the only one that has this, but if people came here and, and we were put under the thumb of oppression, a police state, the, the rule of man, don't think for a second that I am not going to defend to the very last breath in my body, which may be about 10 minutes because I'm a big fat round. <laughs> but don't think for a second I'm not going to defend my home, my family, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to no, this is where I live. Why does that not, why doesn't that mentality exist with, with these other people? What, what has happened? Why are they not deciding to stand and defend their own nations? If they come and they want to say, I want to bring all the heritage, the great heritage from the place from which I have come. And again, I'm, Denny loves to to talk about his Irish heritage. I'm proud of that. You know, my grandfather was Irish, my mother's British, she was born in the UK. I've got a lot of lineage there that I identify with and I'm, I'm happy about that. But I am, I'm American before I'm any of that. I was born here, I was raised here. And, and I was born in a city called Independence. And I'm proud to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so anyway, I mean, Chime in on that. Am I the only one that is not? Peter, there's a, there's, a great, there's a great uh, um, guy who's conducting, he's a 
I don't know if he was a professor, but he conducts his seminar where he uses marbles to show how we'll never solve poverty and third world issues through immigration, refugees, giving things. It'll never, and his his display using the marbles is amazing because it keeps it simple. But it's, we need to go over there, help them in their own. I mean, those those refugees, those millions that had to flee from Syria. Do you think they wanted to live in a camp in Jordan or go, or would they have rather had their own home? To your point, Peter, be fixed up and not worry about chemical attacks and worry about you know, we're better trying to fix the situation in their own country and improve the lot there than saying you know what we take a million and now we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take in a million and a half next year well, that's not going to do anything absolutely. to improve the situation anywhere it absolutely. just makes some people feel a little better in their heart saying oh we're helping it but you're not helping those people the having languages go down to florida and every sign is in spanish and in english you're not helping those people when when my german ancestors came here they didn't they had to learn english if they wanted to move ahead if you look at the, the i know a lot of i deal with a lot of manufacturers i know a lot of hispanic people the ones that learn English are the ones that become the business owners, the managers, the ones that don't because they're, they don't have to because everything you have, and, and, and to your point, Dan, about the licenses and, you know, comes in 10 different languages. This form comes in 20 different. No, English is our natural language. If you want to be a productive citizen here, become, you know, assimilate. That's when when refugees or immigrants used to come to this country, they wanted to assimilate. That's the way now, our laws read today. Yes. That's what they're supposed to do. And so, our problem is we our problem is and always has been, in my opinion, these places that we're quote unquote helping, we're shipping over fish instead of sending guys over with fishing. Well, boats. yes. So well I, I stand a little confused. So are we proposing a massive aid program to? For nations, kind of like the Marshall Plan 2.0, is that what we're saying right now? Is that nations like nations like El Salvador, Syria, um, nations that need our help, we should instead be bolstering and nation building instead of come back to the United States. The ones Only that want to be republics, yes. That you just hit it on the on the head, hit the nail on the head, right. Tim. I know you had your hand up a second ago there, but I, I do want to talk about it because we <laughs> hit on this last week very very lightly. I think that is fine when a country says, can you please help, help. us? Right. We do not need to be the big brother of the world and say, you know what? You guys suck at what you're doing. We're going to fix it whether you like it or not. Because, again, that, all that's going to do <laughs> is, is put someone in that. It creates an insurgency. I, 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 and, I'm yeah. going to make a point here. That's, and it, it, it talks about all we've done. It goes back to one of our first statements of the show today, and that is, enforcement of laws it's illegal to take a picture of a rabbit from January to April without an official permit in Wyoming I can see that bear wrestling (laughs) (laughs) that was Tom everybody we have we have so many laws on the books every time there's something that we think we have to control we make a new law but how in God's green earth are we going to enforce all of these laws. So we have these laws and we put them in place and while it's a hot button, mm-hmm. we're going to enforce it until the next hot button comes along. 
oh, we, we're going to, you know, to go to our Coffee with, with Pete conversation, we're now going to enforce a law around Me Too. And so some politician, legislator somewhere is going in and they're putting this whole law together and then something else pops up and something else pops up and then, oh, wait a minute, we have to go back to the immigration and we have to go here and we have to go there. We have got to clean up our laws and we have to, we have to put together laws that make sense and then we have to enforce all of the laws, not just the ones that we want to, we want to You know, today. though, in Wyoming, that is really a bad hair time. <laughs> oh my God! Oh. Well, 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 if you're taking the pictures, the rabbits all, uh, you know, run away, which would be a receding hairline. Yeah. <laughs> to your point, real quick about the laws, I think one of the greatest things Trump has done in, in regards to the economy is anytime somebody wants to put a new business regulation in place, they have to take away two. You know, that's one way to start getting, and, and businesses are seeing it. Yeah. That, you know, because to your point, th there's so many laws out there and stupid regulations. It's also the issue, it, it's not just the matter of laws, but it's where it is those laws are being passed. Exactly. The federal government has no business legislating when it is, and I'm not saying that they are, when it is you can take a picture of a rabbit or what kind of animal you can wrestle or whatever the case may be. The federal government, per the Constitution, needs to deal with the issues of the federal government, and those things that are not need to go right down, to, per the Tenth Amendment, right back to the states and be dealt with at a state level. If, if not county, if not city, county, neighborhood. neighborhood, township, parish, right down. That is where it needs to be handled. So it's not just the fact that the laws are being passed and not enforced because we have politicians chasing the the bouncing red ball and justifying their existence and that's what 90 percent and of that's where they get their power yeah. from yeah. it's yeah. a matter yeah. of where yeah. the laws are actually passed and therefore where they're enforcing if you have a local county parish state that has a law that they can't actually enforce well maybe it ought not be a law and on well, that note well, i have less than a minute of recording here time tim yeah. go ahead and make your make your God bless America. God Amen. bless America. <laughs> aye, aye. All right. Bob, go ahead real quick. Um, I think it's really impressive that we went this entire conversation without bringing up the word shithole. So, kudos to all of us. We can talk I do about think it was shitholes a, all hour long. It was a deplorable like. comment, and uh, we need to do better. Um I'm very much in line with. I'm going to debate you hardly next week on that. Yeah, no, I was going to say, bring that one up next week. So, yeah, we don't have but near We now have 45 I seconds. I stand corrected. Thank you very, very much for joining me for Civil Tension Conversations with Contentious Intent. I really, really appreciate you, gentlemen. We appreciate you. We appreciate you. Thank you, Peter. Cheers. Cheers. That was a great show.